from the Tulsa world. This is the OSU Sports Extra Podcast, sponsored by Albert G's Barbecue. Here are your hosts, Dean Rule and Jawan Lee. Season 3, Episode 12 of the OSU Sports Extra Podcast. Jawan Lee joined for another week with Dean Rule, and we're back off of the bye week. We had one show last week. OSU was off. Everybody got to take a little bit of a breather, calm down, reassess some things. So how are you feeling this week, Dean? I'm feeling good, yeah. I think everybody needed a little break. Everybody needed to, like you said, take a breath, step away from it. Um, but, yeah, all of a sudden, OSU's got a – what I thought would have been a pretty interesting game at the start of the year, Juwan. I, probably, I think I put it in terms of most intriguing. I know we've referenced that article a couple of times. I think I put it number two. Um, so I thought, I thought this was going to be a, a very interesting game at the start of the year. Uh, I think it's lost a little bit of its luster as as the Cowboys are now four games in. So we got we have tons to talk about um, today. Obviously, one of the big things we've discussed all season is the quarterback position. And, you know, Monday, Mike Gundy started off by saying that they weren't ready to name a starting quarterback. They were going to wait and see and go through some of these practices. And then you come on later that that night on his radio and show and says, Alan Bowman is our guy this week. Um Kind of walk me through what happened there. What do you feel kind of led to the change in his mind? And do you agree with the decision to stick with Alan Bowman for this week? Yeah, I think uh, in terms of the decision, it probably makes the most sense, Jawan. And I think it goes back to kind of what was said about starting Alan Bowman against Iowa State. Uh, and it's something we've talked about pretty much like every week uh, on this podcast. And that's you kind of just need to pick one and you just need to decide what do you emphasize more than what traits do you emphasize more than others? Um, and Alan Bowman always had the edge when it came to veteran experience. And and that seems to be what OSU wants, what OSU likes. Um, and I think it's why he continues to get the, the nod, uh, especially against Kansas state. And, and, you know, I think the other thing is, Alan Bowman starting against Kansas State. I guess the question you could then ask is, will Alan Bowman finish the game against Kansas State? Mm, right. Mm. Um, Great question. I, I, don't think that, I don't think that would happen. I think Alan Bowman is just going to be the guy for the rest of the year. And so, so I don't know why he, why Mike Gundy didn't want to say, and then he did say, <laughs> but um, no, nah, th- th- this seems to be what they're going to go with. And, I mean, it goes back to what me and you were saying, uh, you know, earlier in the season, Juwan. You don't, you know, in a, a year from now, two years, two years from now, you can look back and you can say, oh, was that the right decision or was it the wrong decision? But in the moment, I think you just need to make the decision. And I think that's something that we've kind of emphasized when we talk about the quarterback competition is you just need to pick one, right? It, right. You can, when you reflect on it, you can say maybe you know maybe it should have been this guy, maybe it should have been that guy, or we did do the right thing. That's fine. But I think in the moment, you just need to go with one, and they it, it appears that they they've done that. Dean, we started the show by saying how great it is for you know fans and people that follow the team to kind of get a little bit of a break, calm down, reassess some things. But for this team to go into the break after 
losing 33 to 7 to South Alabama and then they turn back around and lose 34 to 27 to Iowa State. How big of an advantage or disadvantage do you feel like this break is for Oklahoma State right now? You know, I think it was an advantage in terms of you if you're OSU, you needed to recalibrate a lot of things, right? And and this gave you a, you know, the the largest amount of time during the season you'll have to be able to do that. And so I think it came at a decent time. You know, I, I think bye weeks you can make all kinds of arguments for is when's the best week to have a bye week. Um I would I, I guess if I were a coach, I, I'm maybe would not be the biggest fan of having your bye week four games into the season, but um I, I don't think that plays as big a deal as as some people want to make it sound but in in terms of specifically looking at osu and looking at the year they're currently having yes this bye week came at the right time because i think again south alabama the wheels fell off i think they kind of you know threw some duct tape and wd-40 on it uh for iowa state and it it was a better product but when you have what will it be 13 days off um, that gives you, you know, time to make the proper fixes and proper adjustments as you try to kind of change the trajectory uh, through the final eight games. You know, big topic here. Well, I don't know how big of a topic it is just outside and and in Stillwater world, but in our, in our sports meeting last week, one of the topic of discussions was Mike Gundy's contract. And our columnist, Bill Haston, wrote a column during the bye week saying that regardless of the 2023 outcome, Mike Gundy returns in 2024 if he chooses to. Give me your thoughts on that. And do you agree with that sentiment? Yeah, I think it makes it makes sense. It's it just depends on how you want to approach it. Right. Because, uh, you know, they Mike Gundy got his new contract in about two years ago, I guess it would be. And, you know, it's the perpetual deal and, and Bill makes some great points and, and on, on this, so I, I would uh, encourage everybody to go read his column, but yeah, I think it's, I, I would say, you know, if you asked me point blank scale of one to 10, you know, what are the odds Mike Gundy's fired after this year? I would put it at a one or a two, right? Um, I think some things need to change and, and he's addressed that a lot this offseason, you know, about this is a new age of college football. You have to adapt. And, and I think there's still some adaptation needed there, but um, yeah, I, I would say that that would not be the biggest topic of that would not be high on the concern level. If you're an Oklahoma state fan that he would be fired at the end of the year. How big of a concern level do you feel if the see if next season is kind of have a is like replicated for this season? Yeah, then I then then you really do start to bump it up because you know even if you want to go back to to um, last season, you know that the back half of that season was not great. This season is not off to a great start. Uh, we'll see what happens in the final eight games, but if this continues on another year uh yeah then 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 your concern shoots through the roof right then you really start to question it because 
you know, one time's a coincidence, but two or three times it starts to become a trend, right? Right. Kind of moving on down the list of things that we can catch up on because we did, we know we only had one show last week. Um, the Trey Rucker situation, you wrote about that earlier this week. Um, just kind of touch on the details surrounding that situation and expectations for him moving forward. Yeah, so for those that um, haven't been been keeping up with the news, Trey Rucker was arrested on suspicion of DUI. That's that's being handled in the legal system right now. And when asked about it on Monday, Mike Gundy said that Trey Rucker was active in the team. We'll see um, if he plays on Friday, Juwan. I think that's something that uh, folks should definitely keep an eye on. But all in all, that that only continues to kind of play into the the murkiness of OSU's secondary, uh, who Lyric Rawls is is day to day right now. His his if he plays on Friday will be something to follow. Trey Rucker, and on top of that, they're coming off OSU's secondary has kind of been the big problem the past two games um, on OSU's defense, and now if you're down two guys there, it it really starts to kind of become a, a interesting situation what kind of looking on again this bye week they take a little break allow them to reassess some things for you what are you looking for heading into this game that you hope that they were able to address realistically i'll say this juan and i don't know if this is the game it could happen against but i think if if you wanted to look at if you want to be optimistic you would probably say they need to score 30 points on offense, right? Like this is starting to become a pretty dire trend. Um, Cause the last time OSU's offense scored more than 30 points was 49 weeks ago. <laughs> 40, for, not 49 games ago, 49 weeks ago, but, but you know, you're about to hit the, the year anniversary of the last time OSU scored 30 or more points in a game. And, um, you know, I think that that, that's kind of interesting to see because there's all the the drama going on um, up at Iowa about, you know, offense and, you know, they're, they need to score 25 points a game to keep their offensive coordinator. And um, not that OSU's to the level of Iowa's offense just yet, but point being, uh, that, that's kind of becoming an interesting trend. And I think using Alan Bowman, starting Alan Bowman for a second straight game, I think they had improved pass protection against Iowa State. Now, you know, Iowa State's got a, got a good defense, but I think Kansas State's defensive line is a little bit of a different beast. So that's mm-hmm. going to be interesting how that plays out. You know, the run game... Seem to get going a little bit, a little bit against Iowa State, and I wrote about this a little bit, Juwan. Um, you know, if you subtract Ali Gordon's seventy-one yard run, the yards per carry average is not that great for, from OSU's uh, rushing attack against the Cyclones, and so I think more consistency is still needed there, and I think most people would agree with that. Um, and then something that that I said last week, Juwan, get Brendan Presley involved. Get Dazon Stribling involved. You know, streamline this offense a little bit. And, and they showed some signs of doing that against Iowa State. Continue to build off of that and, and see where it takes you because 
that's going to be the the most important important thing i think is just getting your talent involved um moving forward defensively the tackling issues seem to be cleaned up it's becoming less and less of an issue each week but now all of a sudden there's all these broken and busted coverages that are allowing for those those big plays we talked a lot about that last week Juwan, and, and that's something that needs to be cleaned up but with your secondary with some questions there about about availability um that's only going to make it even more even harder to clean those up because think about this Juwan. i mean this was a talking point we had um during fall and spring a little bit the secondary was always going to be the youngest part of osu's defense the least experienced part of that group now you're asking even younger guys to go in and fill that up, and you're going against a, a pretty good offense in in Kansas State. Cleaning that up is going to be key. But are they going to be able to do it with the personnel that they're going to have? Is going to be the question, I think. Keeping on down, keeping on down the list. Something else that you touched on in your article was the importance of NIL. Um, we've already kind of touched on a little bit that Mike Gundy and Oklahoma State took a little bit of a different strategy um, this offseason. Kind of expand on what Mike Gundy talked about when he discussed the importance of NIL. Yeah, that once again goes back to um, you need to adapt a little bit, right? And and the the college football game is – or just college athletics in general really – it's all changing. It's all a a learning process. There's a learning curve to it. You need to adapt, and um, that's part of it. Yeah, and so so that that right there is is something that's important. Juwan he talked about nil and the importance of it, and it's needed in the um, it's a necessary part of of college football these days. And and so he talked about that and. Once again, that that goes back to what I was saying. You know, you need to. It, Mike Gundy talked a lot about. You know, a year ago it was oh the transfer portal is not going to be a big deal. It's it's going to die out. It's going to die down, and then it didn't. And this offseason, he he addressed that. And he said, you know, I was wrong about that. The transfer portal is here to stay. So OSU went out and and worked in the portal. This is another thing that is is like that you know nil it needs to be grown and you need to adapt to to using it and all that Mm -hmm. and um so yeah that's one of the other things that is i think the importance is there but the execution is just you know in theory we can all say oh yeah you you know you gotta raise money do all this for nil (laughs) get it to players and whatnot but you know you also need to execute it too and and i think that's something that a lot of college programs are still trying to learn and, and adapt to Right. Um, again, you know, there there's a lot of things that I I know that Oklahoma State is kind of transitioning into and not to keep it on Mike Gundy. But when you kind of think about you can't teach an old dog new tricks, do you feel like he's doing a proper job of transitioning into this new era of college football? I think. I would say there is effort there, right? And and I think it's hard to kind of gauge here's how you successfully 
work the portal and here's how you successfully work nil and here's how you successfully do because all this stuff is still relatively new there's been a lot of people that have tried it and there's been a lot of teams that have failed at it right and so i think a little bit is you almost you don't need to find the winning formula you just need to find what you need always you need to find what works for them not what the winning formula is for everybody i think that's kind of the approach a lot of teams need to take um i don't think there's a cut and dry if you do x y and z you're good um that'll work for some programs but it won't work for others because everybody's kind of different and so i think if 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 anything what osu is trying to do is trying to figure out what it's like trial and error a little bit you know okay we did this so now we take all this data that we got so you know we'll see how let's see how this season plays out we'll extrapolate that information we'll figure out what went well for us what didn't and we'll apply it to you know the next off season um so yeah so so i think there's there's areas you can maybe question and then there's areas that you i think just need to say it needs time but nobody has time in college football either you know so it's kind of a double-edged sword that is a that is a perfect point that you just made because my following question was going to be and i think a lot of this stems from what's going on with with colorado and dion and you see how they use the transfer portal to kind of execute a quick turnaround and you talk about that in college football a lot of people don't have that patience anymore do you think it's realistic to expect Oklahoma State? And this season isn't over by like any stretch of the means. So we're not trying to project like, you know, just give up on the season and let's focus on the offseason. But let's say this season doesn't turn out the way you want it to. Do you feel like it's a realis- realistic expectation for them to have a quick turnaround next year in utilizing the transfer portal? If anything, I think the transfer portal kind of nullifies the argument of or the excuse of like, well, we need to rebuild. We need a couple of years to rebuild. Because you see it a lot with new coaches is there is no time to really take a year or two to kind of set up your, your program. And I think what Deion Sanders has done in Colorado, if anything, has kind of expedited that process. Because I think, you know, some school somewhere – you know, let's say they fire their head coach, they bring in somebody new and they say, okay, well, you need to rebuild this entire roster and, and flip out, you know, have, have an overhaul, bring 60 guys in through the transfer portal because it worked for Deion Sanders. Well, if, if your new coach isn't Deion Sanders, are you sure that's going to work for you? Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what it comes down to. It's like, okay, it worked for Deion Sanders, but is it going to work for you? You know, OSU brought in uh, 13 transfers this year. Well, I you know, here's actually a good question, Juwan. I'd be interested to know what people think about this. If you're an OSU fan, would you have rather retained every single player you lost in the transfer portal this year, or would you rather have had a 60-plus player overhaul? What mm. would, you know, what what would you rather have have seen them do? Right? Because so OSU's brought in 13 transfers from you know, some odd destinations. They're not, not everybody that was brought in was a power, you know, they didn't, they lost power five guys and not everybody was replaced by a power five guy. So that, that's kind of something interesting. I don't know if I would have 
I don't know how, you know, you can look at that in many different ways, but point being, I don't know. It, it's so, I think, university program specific on how, on what you would deem successful in the transfer portal, what you would deem successful in NIL. It, it's so, I think, unique to every, I think every situation is unique because the next guy who's going to try to replicate what Deion Sanders did this year might fail. You know? Right. And Deion Sanders, and that, like, Colorado's been a great September story. But that doesn't change. You know, they're three and two. It's not like they're five and oh, and, and they're just rolling <laughs> opponents. They're sticking in games. You know, I watched because there was the bye week last week. I, I watched the whole Colorado USC game, and, you know, they stuck, they stuck, Colorado stuck around in that game. Um, and so I think it's interesting. It, it, it seems like the transfer portal a little bit is just viewed as a a bypass to um, to success, right? It, it's the short term solution to success. But you know, what if Colorado finishes just six and six? Are 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 you still? kind of considering them that that route successful and I get you know and it's his first year point being you need time and nobody has time in college football um especially to, to kind of properly evaluate how this all works because like let's say it works is then the expectation for Nick Saban to turn over 80 percent of his roster this offseason right you know mm-hmm. are, are people all saying to say well, it worked in Colorado, so Alabama and Georgia and Michigan, they, they all these guys, they needed they need to do what that did because that's the only way to win. Um, and so I just I just don't think that you need to kind of go crazy on these things, but you need to understand the importance and you need to be engaged and proactive in both the NIL landscape and the transfer portal landscape. And that's my super long answer to your question, Joan. <laughs> You know, Dean, that was, I mean, even though it was long, it was very informative. And I would even shoot the question back at you when you asked that, would you rather OSU retain the players they did have or overhaul the roster? What do you feel Mike Gundy's philosophy will be moving forward? Do you ever see them in a situation? I mean, Colorado is very drastic. I mean, we're talking about over 80 new players on on the roster. So I don't see anybody ever doing that again because that's just such a big failure window for that to happen to bring that many people in but do you ever see OSU getting to the point where okay not developing people as much as we used to we're going to just overhaul this thing and see if these new transfers can make it work for us yeah I don't I don't want to speak from Mike Gundy but here's my view of just based on everything I've heard him say over the past couple of years like player development is always going to be I think the number one priority at OSU, you bring in guys out of high school that you really like. They sit behind the the upperclassmen for a year or two. They develop, they grow into their bodies. And then junior year, senior year, they're out there. They're making, you know, I think like the archetype for what OSU wants is Malcolm Rodriguez, right? He was a three-star in-state kid. They brought him in from Wagner. He kind of, I mean, he came in as a safety 
He bulked up for a couple years, moved to linebacker, and then, you know, he has an incredible season. His senior year goes, gets drafted, all those good things. I think that's always going to be the formula under Mike Gundy. That is always going to be priority number one. And I read an interesting article actually on this, Juwan. Um, what was it on? It was on The Athletic. And they did like an anonymous poll of, of high school, like top high school prospects of just kind of on NIL and, and what's most important to them. And I think there was about 15 kids or something. And almost every single one of them said if, if they had to rank um, player development, relationships, and NIL in terms of the most important to you during recruiting and the least important to you. I think pretty much almost every player said the number one thing they were looking for in their, in their college location was player development. Mm. Right. And, and I get, that's a small sample size, right? You know, it's 20 high, 20 high school recruits. But if you look at what OSU's kind of made its bread and butter on in the past coat or in, under Mike Gundy, it's been developed development it's something that they have prioritized from the beginning throughout all of this i think it's something they will always prioritize in the future right even in the transfer portal era it's always going to be something that they focus on and you know i don't think that of all the things you could prioritize that's one of the best ones you can do right and you're you are going to always have players interested in doing that um and players who who like that philosophy, but now you know it, it just nil really just throws into the mix another thing that players can say. Well, this is what's most important to me, and that that's that's fine. And or they can say this is what's most important to me. Still, that's fine. You just need to differentiate between those 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 you know those kids and what's going to be a best fit for your program. It's just another thing that goes into recruiting. I think. I think that's a a very interesting poll, and I would have loved to know. I would love a little bit more nuance with that poll because when you talk about it, nil adds another thing that can be listed as what's important to me and why I want to attend this school. I don't even think I would have guessed player development would have been number one because I mean you see situations like Caleb Williams at USC. A couple weeks, the report came out saying that he may return to USC if he doesn't like who who has the number one draft pick in the NFL next year. So um, I think NIL is allowing players to control their their destiny a little bit more. And you don't hear them talk about player development anymore because they jump from school to school so quickly. Um, so I would, I would actually like a little bit more nuance with that poll and maybe a couple more publications to do that and see if that continues to be a consistent answer through, through a lot of high school players. You know, I think I think really what's most interesting about NIL is I, I think it really comes down to what do players want? Do they want to make a ton of money in college or do you want to continue to use college to try to use it to do you want to continue to try to use college athletics as your stepping stone to the NFL, right? You can do but like Somebody like Caleb Williams gets to do both, right? He gets to mm, right. whatever his NIL deal is, which is probably some crazy amount of money that me and you will never even sniff. <laughs> I mean, he, he said he that. said 
he said he can make more next year off his NIL than on a rookie con- contract in the NFL. So, yeah. so that's that's insane, right? Like, but you could probably count on one hand how many players are actually getting that deal in college athletics, right? Right. Um, and then, and you know, and Caleb Williams is projected to be the number one pick, rightfully so. Um, but so, so I think the guys that are in that situation, that's very like the, the amount of the number of players who are able to to kind of operate in that. Well, I can make all this money in college, and I can just hold off on going to the draft for a year because you know Caleb Williams probably doesn't want to go play for the Chicago Bears. I wouldn't blame him. Um, <laughs> But I think your average college football player is not in that position, right? Your average college football player is probably not making a ton of money through NIL. He's probably made right. a little bit of money. It's, you know, he can maybe rent an apartment or something or who knows, or, you know, he gets <laughs> a car. I, I know uh, I wrote a story way back in January about how a car dealership in Silver is kind of involved in the nil landscape for osu and it's kind of getting guys cars and um setting guys setting players up with cars i think that's more the average nil experience than these guys are making millions of dollars that's i think a very select few um in the college landscape and so so when you look at that and you kind of you boil it down take the stars out of the game and you have your average college experience, I still think most of these guys are going to say, okay, hey, yeah, this is some nice pocket change. Uh, I I won't call it pocket change one. It's more than that. But <laughs> yeah, this, this money's nice, but I still want to, you know, I, this kid has probably been dreaming about getting drafted or playing, putting on an NFL uniform his entire life. He's, I think he's still going to prioritize. I want to, whatever's going to give me the best shot to make it to the NFL is what I'm going to take. And that's why I think he, to, to reference that poll again, that's why I think you see player development so high because I still think most of these guys, the goal is not become rich in college. It's use college to get to the NFL. And I know that dream does not work out for, how many draft picks are there, Juwan? Like 260 something, you know, yeah, something around that. Guys. Yeah. And, you know, there's guys from, you know, division three, division two who are getting drafted. So the power five number is, is small, but, I think people are going to chase that dream as long as they can. And they want to put themselves in a program that's going to give them that, that opportunity. And that's why I think OSU under Mike Gundy, no matter what, no matter what happens in the college landscape is still always going to say our number one thing is player development because it's worked for them. And I think it'll continue to work for them. This definitely was a great conversation on NIL. And again, that's a that's a poll that once we get done with the show that I'll probably look at because it's it's for sure interesting when you break down each player's expectations for themselves. You know, like if you're going into this thing, just realistic, say you're in year three, you're year four, and you're kind of understanding that your NFL dream may not be as real as it was in year one. Do you still prioritize player development? Do you try to school? Do you try to go to a school that can get you as much money as you can before you get out of there or you know, do you kind of just do you just transfer to another college because they give you the best opportunity to win? Um, all different, all different great questions that I would love to know. But we have plenty more shows to discuss that. And I feel like we did a good job of kind of unraveling some of the necessary importance of NIL.
But before we get out of here, do you have any anything else, Dean? I don't think so. I mean, I would just say, like, to 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 I guess summarize this as best I can. Here's my two sentence takeaway. OSU needs to be competitive in the NIL and the transfer portal. That's just the way college football is played. But I think competitive versus being the best are two very different things. And I think OSU is only able with the resources OSU has. I think they are only, their ceiling is just being competitive in NIL. Well, we appreciate you guys joining us for another episode of the OSU Sports Extra Podcast. We'll be back Thursday to break down Oklahoma State's game against Kansas State. Um, don't forget to comment, like, share. Podcasting is free. You can check out more breakdowns from Dean on, on TulsaWorld.com. And you, you can download our podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Is that Google Play, Apple, or Spotify? Um, for the OSU Sports Extra Podcast, it's been Jawan Lee and Dean Rule. We'll see you later.